When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee. We have another solo episode for you guys today. Very busy schedule coming up again. I just feel like all of a sudden, everything just got so hectic and so busy for me with travel and getting adjusted to travel again. I've been doing everything from home and working from home. And now that my schedule is getting back to normal, it's an adjustment period for me. I am slowly getting used to it, but it's just weird packing again. I remember the first couple trips I went on, I was forgetting certain things and I didn't have my packing list. And I I felt like such a a newbie and especially at the airport for the first time again, I didn't really like know how to do anything. So I'm slowly getting back into the groove of things, but it's, it's hard. (laughs) Like it's hard getting, you know, adjusted back into normal life, but it is really nice. I'm Looking forward to this week ahead, I'm going to Colorado for a day and then to Detroit for the Rocket Mortgage Tournament. The last time I was there was in 2019, so it's going to be fun to go back again. I always get so many messages from you guys asking me if I'm going to be at Rocket Mortgage, and more than any other tournament, it's always that one. So if you guys are there, are going to be there, I am so excited to see you. Uh, Come up to me. I'll be doing stuff with PointsBet, but I'll be there uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So if you see me, come say hi. I always love when you guys come say hi to me. It's always awkward when this happens on the golf course too, where I'll see you either taking pictures of me from afar or looking at me or staring or like talking about me. I would much rather you just come up and say something or talk to me and I'm friendly. (laughs) I'm nice. Sometimes I don't look that way. 
That's something I really need to work on. People always say that I have a resting bitch face and I don't look very approachable. But most of the time, it's just because I have really bad social anxiety and I get really shy and timid. Shy and timid. (laughs) There we go. And I get this like kind of tense look on my face, very serious look. And so I'll get a a message from people and they're like, I didn't want to come up to you because you you looked intense or like you were busy. And I was like, nope, nope, just having internal mental breakdown. But you know, all good. <laughs> but I love when you come up to me and doesn't matter if it's on the golf course or golf tournament, wherever. Um, if you see me and you want to say hi, always just come up to me. So I'm excited to do that. And after that, I have a couple more busy weeks of travel and work, but it's all super exciting stuff. So I love doing all of this because then I can update you on everything that's happened. I get some good stories out of it. Another big life update is I decided to start going to therapy and I have wanted to do this for a while and I don't know why I did it. I guess I just thought I was too busy and I couldn't make time to do this, but I've been really stressed out with work, dealing with a lot, and uh, especially with like my personal life. And I just wanted help. I, I, as you know, because I talk about it all the time, (laughs) I have really, really bad anxiety. Most of it is social anxiety. And so when I travel or start doing more events, I get more anxiety. And so with, you know, traveling more and kind of getting life being back to normal plus you know work stress and everything else i just felt like i hit my breaking point and i needed help learning how to cope with it when i have seen the therapists before they were actually sports psychologists so i started really young with sports psychologists when i was a gymnast so 9 or 10 i think is when i started seeing someone and at first we did a biofeedback which is really cool so they would hook your brain up to a machine and you would learn how to control your brain waves. And so that actually really helped me in a lot of things, but I did that. And then I saw another sports psychologist for gymnastics, ended up quitting gymnastics, going into golf. And I then saw four or five sports psychologists. I clearly didn't find someone who worked for me. I I think the biggest problem in I'm realizing this now after I had my first therapy session was that a lot of my issues with golf and the performance aspect of it really tied back into me just not coping with traumatic things that have happened in my life or it was my anxiety that was from past experiences or it had nothing to do with me not being able to focus on the golf course because of, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to visualize. <laughs> like it was because, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough for some other reason and I'm trying to prove myself. And so I put too much pressure on myself and then I have anxiety. And so I couldn't let myself just relax and perform. And I wish back then I saw a therapist instead of a sports psychologist. I needed deeper help instead of just that surface level kind of like you need to visualize, you know, step back, visualize your shot. Then you breathe. I'm like, no, I'm a pretty like fucked up person. And I like need help. And obviously I'm I'm making jokes about it, but 
To be real, guys, I think that everyone should go to therapy. I think there's still a stigma around going to therapy. And I'm sure even when I have said this, you guys are probably like, oh, no, she's not okay. Something's wrong with her. You know, I've been dealing with this my entire life, my anxiety. And it's I I like to think about it this way as an athlete. If I hurt myself or I pull a muscle, I'm going to go see someone to help me fix that. And for me, my brain is just been pulled. You know, there's a small little injury and I'm going to work with someone who knows what they're doing to help me feel better. And I think everyone needs to go see a therapist, whether you're, you feel like your issues are very small or really big, but they just help you talk through things. And I think sometimes we all just need someone to talk to. And that's, what's been really nice. And I feel like a sense of relief now that I decided to go and that I made the first step. I think the first step is always the hardest thing, whether it's, you know, seeing a therapist or getting into the gym or, you know, eating healthy. Like the first step is always the most difficult. But then once you do it, you feel so almost proud of yourself and you feel good about yourself. And uh, it was kind of a, a light bulb went off in my head after my first therapy session. And I was like, oh my gosh, I should have done this so long ago. And why didn't I do it? And I I think part of it was is that I almost didn't want people – I mean, I didn't have to disclose any of this, honestly. (laughs) But you guys know me. I'm an open book. But, you know, even if I did tell someone that I was going to therapy, I don't want them to think that I'm not okay. And – you could probably already sense that or hear that from, you know, me talking about past experiences. But again, there's still that stigma around it. And I'm always so worried about talking about my anxiety openly because even in the past when after Dubai, I'll never forget this. I had, as you guys know, a massive breakdown, so many panic attacks. It was after my first time in Dubai And I didn't handle it well publicly. I cried a lot (laughs) and it didn't reflect well. And most people didn't know the whole story, but outside looking in, people just saw that I was very uh, unstable, uh, just not ready for the situation. And so after that, I wasn't. And I, I think I only wanted people to ask me if I was okay And I ended up getting back into the States and uh, one of the companies I was working for, they sent me, a guy sent me a text and he said, you know, next time we'll just try to handle that privately instead of publicly. It just didn't reflect all that well. And I thought to myself, like, okay, here I am being so open and vulnerable about an experience in my life to the press, you know, crying and talking about how I wasn't ready. And that was almost a cry for help. And I I wanted people to reach out and to ask me if I'm okay, not saying that I reflected poorly on them or that, you know, I didn't look professional. And I think we see that with a lot of celebrities and athletes, and we want them to be so vulnerable. But then when they are, we're so quick to criticize them. And I think that's so messed up. I think people see it as a way to get likes and views and engagement, and we're profiting off of the struggles of other people. And I think that's the story with Britney Spears has been hopefully a big eye-opener for everyone where we almost mocked 
her mental health and everything that she was going through, those were cries for help. Like she wanted people to ask her if she was okay, not to post pictures of her on all of these magazines and websites and to be the brunt of the joke. That's not okay. And I think that's something that we can all do better is if someone's, you know, really struggling, ask them if they're okay, if there's something that that you can do. And let's try not to make it into a joke because people struggle and it's hard and we need to do everything we can to make sure people are okay. So I... And again, I am excited about therapy. I don't know if I'll talk about it much more, (laughs) Uh, but I I just wanted to put that out there just so if you guys are thinking about potentially going into therapy or were dabbling in the idea of going, that this will be the push for you to go see someone because it has helped me so much. And it's like, why struggle? Why? Why put yourself through all of that and being not okay or having to deal with something. And, you know, I've lived my whole life with anxiety and I'm so excited and I know it's never going to go away. I know I'm never going to be to the point where I live, you know, a life without anxiety, but I'm excited to learn how to cope and manage it. And uh, I can't wait for all of the tools that she's going to teach me. And it's just a sense of relief that I have someone there to help me along this because you never want to do it alone. It's like when I tell you guys about clubs (laughs) it's like you're struggling with your game. Why are you playing Blades? Don't play Blades. That's like just the worst thing you could possibly do. Play a game performance iron. There's things out there for you to play better golf. And that's kind of how I'm viewing therapy. Like if you're struggling, don't make it harder on yourself. Don't go through it alone. Uh, just, Just get some help. So I hope this is helpful for you guys out there. And again, there's no stigma with therapy. I think everyone should go. It's just a really helpful tool to make it through life because life is hard, really hard sometimes. And it's always better to have someone to talk to. Okay, enough enough of that. (laughs) We had a very exciting golf tournament over the weekend. The Travelers. I'm going to say this. All the PGA tournaments in the majors this year have been incredible, incredible in their own little way. And I didn't know how the Travelers was going to be. Obviously, you're coming off of the U.S. Open. Any week after the U.S. Open, it's a little hard to get back into it. But this Travelers tournament was exciting, had a lot of big names in there, still some pretty juicy storylines. Of course, the Brooks-Bryson saga continues with Brooks doing an interview at the start of the week and basically said that the whole reason this started was because Bryson DeChambeau went against something, a deal that they made, and uh, Brooks will never let this go. In regards to all of this, you guys know that I love drama and golf, and I think it's great, but I just wish that it would carry over more to the actual playing. I feel like there's so much shit talking happening in interviews and before tournaments, and then we never see them paired together or we never see them, you know, go one-on-one. And I think that's what's missing and why people are getting a little bit frustrated with all of the Bryson Brooks talk because you're not seeing that head-to-head. That's what makes other sports so great because you have all the shit talking going on, but then it all comes down to what they do on the field or the court or whatever it may be. And so it really amplifies what's going on, but we're not getting that with the Brooks-Bryson controversy 
and that's what's missing. And so I'm almost even a little sick of hearing about it because I want to see them go head to head. That's what we're all waiting for. And so it's like, come on, let's pair them together. Yeah, hopefully they get paired together at some point. But all of this talk doesn't mean anything until they go head to head on the golf course. And that's something that I wish would have happened already. I, they should have been paired together at some point. Um, but until then, I hope it just kind of sizzles out or doesn't do its thing anymore because I'm just kind of sick of hearing about it if they're never going to like actually go head to head on the golf course. But back to the travelers. So there was an eight-hole playoff. Yes, an eight-hole playoff against Kramer Hickok. What a name. Have you ever noticed the names in golf? We have Maverick McNeely, Wyndham Clark, Kramer Hickok, like all of these Harris English who was in the playoff with Kramer. And it's like these names, they just like, they sound so posh. (laughs) Just like country club names, but they always crack me up. So there was an eight-hole playoff between uh, Harris and Kramer. And it was so much fun to watch, mostly because of the fans on number 18. So they played number 18 over and over and over and over and over and over again. (laughs) And... The commentary on Twitter was that they wished that they were playing different holes and that they mixed up a little bit more because it was getting a little bit redundant and boring. First off, golf Twitter, you're the worst again. Stop complaining about every single fucking thing. It is so annoying. Free golf is good golf. More golf is good golf. And I love the fact that it was 18 over again because it gave the fans the opportunity just to stay there. It would be really hard if they had to go to like 15 and 14 or whatever it may be. It wouldn't really spread out and it wouldn't have felt as special. Seeing everyone on 18 and the crowd, it felt like a like a different sporting event. It was like you're at like a basketball game or a hockey game. They were cheering. It felt almost like a Ryder Cup. They were doing the wave at one point. And for golf to be so stuffy, I love that they showed this side where it was a little bit more fun and they were cheering and yelling and, and, and kind of screaming at one point. And it was so exciting. And I wish we had more of that. I know that some people don't like the waste management feel or the Ryder Cup, but this was so fun and awesome to hear the fans get that into it. And I think the guys were feeding off of that energy and it wasn't just the boring golf clap. There were cheers. They were chanting Kramer's name. Like it was exciting from start to finish. Harris English ended up winning on the eighth playoff hole with a birdie and well-deserved. I mean, I part of me wished that it just kept going on and on and on because it was just so much fun to watch, but it was played an extra nine holes and playoffs are just the best. They're fun playing in them as well. The longest playoff that I've ever gone through is a three-hole playoff. I've done t- two three-hole playoffs in my career. I won one of them and I lost the other. It was at both were junior tournaments I chipped in to win one of them, and then the one that I lost, I missed a one-footer. It was like a tap-in, and I missed it. And I remember I swung my club up and tried to like hit it on my shoe, and I missed my shoe, and I hit my ankle bone. You literally heard it crack. And I one, I was just so embarrassed because I 
couldn't walk and I was in so much pain and I wanted to cry and I also just missed a one footer. And from that point on, I never did anything like that again where I like hit myself or hit my club against me. I would break clubs, but I would I would never hit it like hit a tree or something, but I would never hit myself because I was so embarrassed that I did that and I lost and I was in so much pain. But uh, yeah, I what kind of format do you guys like better for playoffs? Do you like when they play the same hole over and over again? Do you like how they used to do it in the U.S. Open where it was a next day 18-hole playoff? Do you like when they do, you know, like a three-hole playoff, which they're doing now, or when they play different holes? What's what's your favorite? I would say my favorite is when you play the same hole over and over again just because the aspect of the fans, them staying there as – a player, I would also like to play the same hole over and over again just because you get used to it. And sometimes if you're playing, you know, a different hole or a three hole, there's a hole you don't like. And obviously you want to have <laughs> the biggest advantage that you can get. And so I like when it was just 18 and you would just keep doing 18 until someone won again. And I did not think it was boring. I don't know what Golf Twitter was complaining about. They wanted the playoff to end. I, I just like don't understand the thinking of golf Twitter. And some of you guys who don't follow on social media are probably like, Paige, what's golf Twitter? So basically, it is just a community of people, mostly in golf media, uh, fans of the game. But all they do is talk about golf. And so it's usually the same people all the time. And you'll just see the same responses. And most of the time, it's just complaining about whatever's happening. And they're always fucking complaining all the time. It it could be the best thing in the world. And golf Twitter has a way to make it negative. I, I just don't understand how people in golf are so pessimistic about every little thing. An eight hole playoff. That's amazing. Why are you complaining about it? They were saying that it's redundant. They want it to be over with already. They should have mixed the holes up. And some people were even complaining about the fan doing the wave. Yes. Okay, I know the wave could be a little lame sometimes. I am a lover of the wave myself. Uh, No one hate on that, but I think it's fun. I don't care if you think it's stupid. I love doing the wave. And they're having a good time. We're always trying to inject more fun into golf and to make it more enjoyable for people who are not golf fans to watch. And I think anyone who is just a sports fan watching that moment would have had an amazing time watching the playoff. And yet golf Twitter is like, they're doing the wave. Oh, they suck. Or why are they playing 18 over and over and over again? Like, shut the fuck up. Seriously, shut up. It just bothers me to no end because we have this conversation over and over and over again of growing the game of golf and what we need to do. And then it happens and it's been happening with, I I can go back and name like 10 different instances that has been great for golf and golf Twitter has turned it into a negative. And it's majority of the golf fans. It's not just like, you know, a couple Twitter trolls. I feel like majority of the golf community feels this way. And it is exhausting. It's exhausting. I just don't understand how we can be on polar ends of what we think is good for golf. And how people could even wrap their heads around this being something negative. Fans cheering and doing the wave is bad for golf. Seriously. 
And it's always the most stupid thing that you could possibly think of, like music on the golf course or um, shorts compared to pants, doing the wave at a golf tournament, playing the same hole over and over again. These things are so stupid, yet we make such a big deal out of them. Why can't we just move on? Maybe it's because golf in in itself is just so boring that we have nothing else to talk about because we don't let the players have more of a personality. And anytime they do, we're so quick to criticize them. But like we're doing it to ourselves. And so then we're stuck talking about if guys should wear pants or shorts on the PGA Tour. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But all in all, the Travelers was awesome. I feel really bad for Bubba Watson. I picked him to have a top 10 this week and he was, he had it. He really was playing well and I thought he was going to win, especially because he loves his golf course so much. He's going for his fourth win at the Travelers and he ended up shooting three over par for his final round, which is not great. And (laughs) starting on 14, he went, Bogey, 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 double, bogey. Ugh. You just hate to see it. You just hate to see it. And I don't know about you guys. I've become such a big Bubba fan in the last couple months, even probably longer before that, since he's been talking about his mental health. And I know you're like, Paige, stop talking about this. You know, such a downer all the time. But we do need more advocates for um, mental health and being open about what they're struggling with. And I think Bubba got such a bad rap in the beginning of his career because, like me, he has anxiety. And sometimes when you have such bad anxiety, you tend to lash out because you are so miserable with how you're feeling inside that you tend to want to make other people feel miserable. And that's something that I am really working on because I lash out. And so I know exactly how Bubba is feeling and why he did what he was doing. And I think a lot of golf fans would hate on Bubba because he seemed so mean. And you would hear the comments that he would make to his caddy. And he just about golf course. I mean, there was always a a media bite where he was saying something that pissed someone off. And I, I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, how he was feeling and what he was struggling with. And it, it's hard because I don't want people to use mental health as an excuse to be a shitty person. And, you know, that's something that I, I'm struggling with where, you know, when I'm feeling so, so bad and, I am really struggling with my anxiety. It's not an excuse for me to yell at my parents or to say something mean to someone or to do that. It's not. And I think we need to make that clear. But there's a reason why. And if you try to be better and you try to get help and you try to do everything you can, I think you can offer some grace to that person who is going through something and to hopefully forgive them for things that they have done in the past. And it seems like Bubba feels so, (laughs) I say his name like Bubba. (laughs) I think Bubba feels so terrible about, you know, the things that he has said and how he's treated other people. And he said that he lost a lot of weight. He wanted to quit and he has really done a full transformation. And so I'm a huge Bubba fan now. It takes a lot of guts to publicly talk about that and own up to things that you've said and done. And uh, I know that's something that he probably doesn't like about himself. And I, 
again, I think we need to forgive him and cheer for him and motivate him and support him in any way we can possibly do. Because again, that, that takes a lot of guts. And if more people start coming out about, I think it's going to be get normalized and we're all struggling. And I think it's really good. So big Bubba fan. And I wish he could have played a little bit better. I think another big surprise is that Brooks actually made the cut in a normal PGA tour event. He finished at 10 under and, uh, tied for fifth. Normally Brooks doesn't play well unless he is in a major and yeah, he's had PGA tour wins, but he always says that, you know, I, doesn't matter. I'm just using this as a warm up for the major. So it's always good when Brooks plays well. And Kevin Kisner shooting a seven under. Incredible. These guys are so good. This is his back nine. He went par, birdie, 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 par, par, birdie. I mean, seriously, what? I think the lowest I've ever gone on a back nine was five or six under. That's the lowest I've gone. Um, never more than that, though. So he had a seven under 29. Truly impressive. But 2021 has been a great year for golf. So much fun to watch. Uh, so much energy in the game right now. We have a lot of new winners, but then we also have a lot of guys having a good comeback this year. So it's been a really fun year to watch golf, and I can't wait for the rest of it. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. I'm going to talk about some other things that I'm finding interesting in the world of sports. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes and stafford and mutual weave for him style and comfort for all even big and tall plus even more for the whole family like levi's and exertion here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc penny make everybody count This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. 
game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing decked deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Okay, everyone. So we are back and I have been loving watching the Olympic trials lately. I don't know about you, but there's just something so special about watching the Olympic trials. I love watching it in all of the sports. Mostly I've been watching the track and field and gymnastics. So as you know, I did gymnastics for such a long time. And so it's so much fun to sit down and watch it again and just watch what these girls are doing now, which is insane. So we have Simone Biles, who is the GOAT. She doesn't get enough credit. Like, she is seriously one of the best athletes that we will ever see in our lifetime. And people don't talk about her enough. The things that she is doing is, I can't even wrap my head around it. So she is doing on floor. So she has so many skills named after her. And the way that you get a skill named after you is one, you have to be the first one to do it and a world or Olympic meet. And she has, she's doing potentially on vault. She's going to do a round off, go backwards on the the horse and then do a double pike, which is so incredibly dangerous. All of the skills that she is doing are so difficult to the point that the judges don't want to score her high enough because they don't want to encourage other girls to try these skills because they are so hard and so dangerous, which is unfair to Simone because she is full bodies ahead of these other girls and she doesn't get the credit because they don't, the judges don't want to rate her skills as high as they should. They don't want to encourage other girls to do them. So she's doing a double-double off of the beam. That's two flips, two twists off of a six-inch balance beam. For example, I only did a double back. So I only did two flips. She's adding two more twists on that, which is, again, crazy. On floor, she's only one of two people in the world, the other being a man. Is She's doing a two flips. Three twists, a triple twisting double back. (laughs) I don't think you guys understand how incredible that is. It is so much fun to watch. Another cool thing is that my old coach, Tom Forster, is now running basically everything. And so it's cool to see him be in charge with gymnastics because, as we know, with the whole Larry Nassar scandal that... The gymnasts have not been treated well. They're really been struggling. They were sexually abused, verbally abused, mentally abused. It wasn't healthy for any of them. And I experienced it a little bit with not really the verbal abuse. I was pretty lucky with that part of it. I had good coaches. But I saw a little bit of it when I was at the Olympic team camp, the National Team Training Center, where you would go to Texas and you're away from your family. I was 
gosh, nine or 10 at the time. And I was there for a couple of days all alone and my foot got stuck in a mat and I was doing a triple twist and my foot got stuck and because they didn't fix the floor, it was their fault. And I basically just ripped my ankle and I was laying on the ground crying, holding my ankle and just crying and no one was coming to get me. So I like kind of roll over, look up, and the coaches were disgusted that I was crying. So I had to crawl my way across the floor to my coaches where they were like, okay, go get your ankle wrapped and stop crying. So you couldn't show any emotion. You couldn't show any weakness. And they were breeding champions, but at what cost? And you see all the girls that were uh, former Olympians and on national team, they were saying how miserable they were and it's just not healthy. So it's great now that they're showing that you can still be highly successful in a more nurturing environment. And the whole team energy has changed. It looks so much better. The girls look happier and healthier, which is great. But it's been so much fun to watch all of the trials. And I'm excited for the Olympics. Golf in the Olympics, though, I'm not excited for because I just feel like not as much on the women's side. I feel like they're very excited about that, which is awesome to see. This is an amazing opportunity to represent your country. And I would jump at that. I mean, my original goal was to be in the Olympics and whether if it was going to be golf or gymnastics, I always wanted to go to the Olympics. To saying that you're Olympian, not many people can say that. And when it comes to golf, because they have all of their majors and they get so much money it's like, why do I do this for pride? Like, it doesn't matter to them. And it's so sad to see all of these guys just not jumping at the opportunity to be able to compete at the Olympics. It just shows you almost where their priorities are, where they're making excuses to get out of it instead of seeing it as an opportunity to represent their country and to get more eyes on the game of golf. I don't think it's fully their fault. I wish that the format was different. I think they could have done something really special instead of making it just a normal stroke play event. I hate that. I think that is so stupid. Why couldn't you have done even like long drive? Why can't we have made long drive or a chipping contest or a putting contest or match play or a team event or a mixed team event? Would have been so cool. And I think more people would have jumped on that opportunity. But the fact that it's just a normal, boring stroke play event It doesn't do golf any justice here. And I think this was an opportunity for them to think outside the box and do something a little bit different to get people excited about golf. And that would be a good way for new people to watch golf for the first time. And stroke play was just not it. If you guys had the opportunity, what would you do differently with golf in the Olympics? Do you want to maybe just see it being a, a long drive competition? That would be really cool, actually. Because those long drive golfers are so much fun to watch. They're always screaming and yelling and it's cheering. And it honestly, they don't get the eyes on them that, you know, tour players do. So this could have been a really cool moment for them to have the opportunity to play in the Olympics instead. Since, I mean, none of the PGA Tour players want to do it anyway. So give it to someone else who actually really cares about it. Or instead of it being pros, why didn't we do amateurs? Or anyone could, you know, try to qualify for it. I I just, again, think they missed the mark with the format. And that's part of the reason why a lot of people aren't as excited about it. Because it should, it should, they should be. 
and it's sad that they're not. Another thing that I've been obsessed with lately is Formula One. So I really knew nothing about Formula One until I watched the Netflix series Drive to Survive, which is all about Formula One. And it starts back, I think, at like 2017 or 18. So there's three seasons. Obsessed. I'm almost done with the series. And I think I have like two episodes left. And it takes you all through the teams, how they work, how they build their cars. Uh, There's two drivers on every team. So they go through the dynamics of each team. It's so fascinating because even though you're a team, you're fighting with each other for the one and two spots. You're always fighting for a seat on the team. It's constantly changing. Not many of them have long-term contracts. So it's always exciting. And it was so well-produced. It was One of those things that I wish we had with golf too, where I wish we had a series on the inner workings of either the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, amateur golf, something. I think that would really get a ton more people into it because again, I had no interest in Formula One, but now I watch the show and I'm obsessed with it and I want to know everything about it. And I watched the race that was this morning. And so You can see how really good content pieces are a game changer when it comes to getting more people involved in it. And I think what makes this so cool is that you get a real inside look to everyone and the interviews are really honest. They don't hold back. It really feels like you're involved with every aspect of Formula One from the team leaders to the people who are, you know, building the cars to the people who are doing the pit stops to the drivers to like every little thing about them. And I feel sometimes there's a wall up between us and the golfers and we don't know anything about them. And I wish we did or the inner workings of the tour or what's actually really going on. I think once you bring that curtain down and people see what's going on, they enjoy it a lot more because they feel like they're a part of it. I don't really feel like sometimes we're a part of like the PGA tour, but now Formula One, I have my favorite people that my favorite drivers that I want to watch now. And I follow them on Instagram and I'm looking at their results. And I think that's something for the LPGA tour to actually consider because they're always talking about not getting enough viewers. But so maybe they should do something like this Formula One Netflix series where they do bring that curtain down and they do let more people in. I think that could be really great for them. Again, you just need to be vulnerable. I think that's so hard for so many people. I think that's actually why I have built the audience that I had is because, yes, it's really hard to talk about certain things sometimes, but people love to see when you're vulnerable and that you're real. And we don't have enough of that. And I think that more people need to show that because that's how you connect with as many people as you do. And I always try to do that as much as I can in my content, where it's not just a highlight reel on Instagram, where I talk about my successes. I actually never really talk about my success. I only talk about my failures. I only talk about the funny things that have happened to me. I talk about, obviously, mental health, which is very important to me. But I really try to show that I'm a real person. I fail even though it looks like I'm living the good life and I'm successful and everything's going my way, it's not really like that. And again, that's what I liked about this Formula One show is that even the top teams were having issues or there was some tension or there were so many things that were going on. And I'm sure we would never, ever 
people never thought they'd get an inside look to Mercedes or Ferrari or, you know, Red Bull. And we did. And we learned so much. And that was so cool. And I, I we need more of that. I think it would be awesome if the LPGA Tour did that. Or even on the mini tour. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to make it on a mini tour where girls are working three different jobs. Uh, they're barely paying for golf. Sometimes they're living out of their car. There's incredible stories out there and none of us know any of it. And that's such a missed opportunity. And that's why good digital content pieces, whether it's like Netflix or even if it's on social media, you can do IGTV series. You can do all of this stuff, YouTube, and you can make whatever you want available to anyone. It takes a little bit of extra time, but think of the payoff. Think of how many new fans Formula One probably got from that show. And anytime I met a golf course or talking to anyone, I said, oh my gosh, I'm a big Formula One fan. And they go, oh, Drive to Survive? Did you watch it? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And it's cool to connect with people that way. So I think that's a good thing for maybe golf to look out for. If you can do more of that, I think that would be really interesting. And again, it just shows you how important content pieces are to the growth of your sport. So we are going to wrap up this episode with some TNA as always. The first question is... (laughs) How many fake accounts of you are there? Oh my gosh, guys. The stories that I have from people making fake accounts, it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They will basically steal my profile picture, steal everything that's in my bio, write it exactly the same, steal my pictures and post them. And then they'll follow everyone who is interacting with my content. And it is beyond frustrating because these poor guys who don't really understand how social media works, they will get a follow request or they'll get a message from fake B and it says something like, hey, it's Paige. I want to thank you for being so supportive of my journey. I decided to do a private Instagram account because I get, you know, hassled on my uh, public account or that people aren't controlling them. This is the one I control and people fall for it. And so these guys think that we're in a relationship and that they're sending this other person money and fake me is asking for money and asking for all this stuff. And then as soon as they get it, they ghost these guys. And so the guys then come to me and start harassing me because they think that I ghosted them in our fake relationship. And I'm, I owe them, you know, like $10,000. And I'm like, this is (laughs) This isn't good. I mean, I'll get letters from people who think we're in a fake relationship. People will get my actual phone number and start calling me and leaving messages. I had this one guy from like Kentucky. He was like, you've been ignoring all of my calls on Google Hangout. Why aren't you um, talking to me? I'm going to drive to Arizona to come see you. We need to handle this and fix this, figure this out. And it is beyond scary. It's very, very scary for me because I don't know these people and they think I'm in a relationship with them. So I get really frustrated with the fake accounts because I can't keep up with them. I will report and block and delete as many as I can. Usually I'll get five to 10 a day, but they keep popping up. And I don't know who the people are who are making these accounts. I feel really bad because I keep telling people to not send these people money or to talk to them, or to have any interaction with them. And 
I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but it's hard also to feel bad if someone truly believes that, you know, a uh, an account has zero followers and is following zero people. And I'm asking for like iTunes gift cards, you know, and I'm like, it's like broken English. And, um, it just none of, none of the sentences make sense. And they think that it's actually me, which is kind of offensive. Do you think I can't string a sentence together? Jeez. But uh, it's it's frustrating. I, I I say it many times. If it's not my verified account, then it's not me or my podcast account. It is not me. So please don't respond to anyone. And I just don't know how many more times I can say it. So this will be the last time. But don't respond to people who don't have the verified account. When I say the verified, it's that blue check mark that you'll see right next to my name. I have it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm not making a separate account to talk to you on the side because I am lonely and bored. I can barely get back to the messages on my own account. I can barely get back to my own parents. I, I'm really not interested in starting a relationship with you online while you send me money. I don't need money, and I would never, ever, ever ask my followers for money ever. I will never do that. So again, (laughs) I'm sorry. It's probably such a hassle for you guys, but just block them, report them, and that's all we can do. What is the best golf tip coaching you ever received? This is such a simple tip, but it makes a massive difference. Scott Watkins, who I worked with a lot during my junior golf career, he really amazing player. He is a product of an old school type of swing where um, it's really you have a lot of legs. And I love the way he teaches and coaches. He's really good at what he does. Uh, he worked a lot with Mac O'Grady. So Mac O'Grady is a, a legend when it comes to uh, swing mechanics, and that's where you know Scott kind of followed. And so you can see my leg action comes a lot from that. Um, but he said that when you follow through the shaft of your club should touch the back of your hat. And again, such a simple tip, but it makes a massive difference because a lot of us are unsure about our swings or we're not fully engaged in what we're doing. And so we bail out on it or we lift up or we do something. We tend to one arm follow through or let go of it or don't commit through it. But if you know and the only swing thought you have is having the shaft of the club touch the back of your hat, you're going to think about finishing your your shot, your swing. Best tip I have ever received by far. That's all you need to do and that's all you need to focus on. So if you're playing bad, you're feeling like you're not committed to your shots, just think of that. Instead of thinking about anything else, all you're thinking about is touching the shaft to the back of your hat. Try it on the driving range and you're going to see the big difference. It helps me a lot under pressure when I just can't seem to find something. And if I just think about that, I swing it more freely through it instead of feeling like tense. One thing I would do during competition is that I would tense up and I would almost like stop and hit like a sawed off follow through because I was so scared to just miss it. And so when I swing all the way through... That's what I think of, and that helps immensely. It's the easiest and most simple tips that make the biggest difference. Last question is, what's your plan about having kids? I don't know. Part of me doesn't want to have kids. Part of me 
maybe only wants to have one kid. I think there's so much pressure for women to have kids. And sometimes I feel guilty for potentially putting my career above everything else. And I love what I do. I feel like I make a difference sometimes. That brings me fulfillment in my life. And that's something that I'm always searching is how to feel fulfilled. And I feel like I do that with my job and I love my job. But when you, when I talk to some of my friends who are having kids or want to have a family or their only goal in life is to be a mother, they tend to make me feel really guilty about that as if that, you know, I'm a bad person that I don't want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of people think that women are meant to have kids and should have kids and are innately um, nurturing and that's their role in life. And if I do that, then I'm missing out. But I don't want to have a kid just to have a kid. And I think sometimes a lot of people do that. I want to make sure that I am in a good place financially before I have one. I want to make sure that I've done a lot of things in my life that I've wanted to do. I want to travel. I want to have a a short period in my life where I just relax a little bit maybe and uh, just have some fun. But I know how hard and how difficult it is to have kids. So everyone who's listening who has kids, like you are all superheroes. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how people have kids and are still successful in their work life. That's just something that I, I, I don't know if I, I could possibly handle having that many responsibilities in my life. And maybe it's a good thing that I'm so self-aware right now that I know that. And that's why I would be potentially a good parent because I know how much you have to sacrifice for your kids. But I look at my parents and everything they've done for me and they're so selfless and they always think of me first and my sister first. And I can't do that right now. (laughs) I don't know if I could possibly do that right now. I'm a little too selfish in my life. And maybe there'll be a one point where when I'm a little older, I'll be ready. And some people say, "You'll, you'll never be ready. You just have to do it. And maybe they're right. And maybe that that's the case. But I just, there's so many other things in my life I just want to do first before I do that. And I feel like once I do have a kid, my career is pretty much over. <laughs> and uh, I, again, just, there's more important things to me right now that I want to do first. And it does suck that, you know, you can't say this without having people think that maybe you're a bad person or making you feel guilty for it, or that if you don't, then you're missing out on something. And maybe I am, but I think it's fine for women to talk about these things openly and for people to not judge them. Like if a man says, I don't want to have a kid, I don't feel that people are as judgmental. But if a woman says it, then they're, you know, a horrible person and (laughs) they should feel so guilty about not wanting to and all of these, all of these things. And that's just not, that's not okay. Or even people asking me about kids. I just wish people wouldn't ask me all the time if I want to have them or whatever that question may be. I wish instead of like, oh, you, when are you going to have a kid? It's like, oh, what's, what's the next milestone in your career? I just wish the narrative around that would be just a little bit different and a little bit more private and personal. I don't feel like it's your right to know if I even want to have kids or not. And yeah, I just told everyone on podcast about it, but you guys know me, it's a little different. But I I know a lot of other career-driven women feel the same way that I do. 
And it just sucks that, you know, we have to choose either one or the other and we can't do both and we can't have a successful career and be a mother because you feel like you're a failure at one because if you do have kids, then you're not giving enough time to your kids. And if you are with your business, then you're you're too focused on one thing and not the other thing and you can't give enough to either of them, which is which is false because we see men do it successfully all the time where they are CEO of a company and they have kids at home and no one ever questions if they're a bad father or if they're a bad businessman. It's just a part of what it is. And I wish that would happen with women too, where they could do whatever they want when they want. And they wouldn't question if they're a bad mother because they still want to be successful in their job. So that's my little rant on that. Oh, okay. So that is all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Always email us at par at iheartradio.com or send us a message at the Playing Around Instagram account. We try to get back to everyone. As always, thank you so much for the support. Always following, listening, and I can't wait to keep you guys updated on all of the travels and exciting adventures that I have coming up. I think it's going to give us tons to talk about during this podcast. And again, I can't wait. So thank you always for listening and I'll see you guys next episode. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.